First off, I'd like to say congratulations. You are in at the beginning of something amazing. I'm about to show you something that's amazing. You guys want to see something amazing? Yes, I want to see something amazing. Yeah. What is it? So amazing. Amazing. Whoa, amazing. What are you waiting for? Something amazing, I guess. This week on Something Amazing. A guy who inserted a travel card into his hand has just won a court battle. Go the little guy. Don't trust everyone who tells you they're a health inspector. I have a story about a Japanese bank heist that you won't believe. Also, a bunch of Aussies are doing really well, winning all kinds of technology competitions. I'll tell you about their inventions. I talk about a sweet little annual competition held in a pub. And what's it about? You won't believe. (laughs) This week on Something Amazing. Hello. Hello. Are we going? Yes. Hello and welcome to Something Something Amazing. Amazing. Wow, that's a poor start. (laughs) (laughs) One of our worst, Yeah, really, really. It's only going to go downhill from here. I'm excited to be talking to you today, Amberly Cole. Yeah, you've been so excited about your facts that it's really made me up my game and search for some really good ones. <laughs> I think because uh, I spent some time on holiday. You I did? Went, you were in Fiji. I went to Fiji. The yep. home of Survivor, the <laughs> home of Jeff Probst. <laughs> I, actually, when we were catching a seaplane to an island, which is an actual sentence I can say now, <laughs> uh, when we were catching a seaplane to one of the islands, I asked the pilot if he knew where Survivor was being filmed. Yeah. Just out that window. <gasps> and I was like looking for little immunity <gasps> challenges on the ground. That's amazing. Or just Jeff Probst waving Just waving at you. Hey, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> I can vouch for the fact that Fiji is beautiful. That's good. Yeah, I was wondering. I was wondering <laughs> if everyone else was lying about it. No, it's, it's wonderful. Now you know, folks. First of all, how have you been? Yeah, great. Thank you. I've been in Melbourne, yeah. uh, which is the most livable city in the world. <laughs> It's beautiful here. And less seaplanes. Yes, yes. So I think the time off has done me well because... Okay. You're I, refreshed, you're I, revitalized, you're ready to rumble. Found some great stories, ready to share. Did you find these stories in Fiji? No. Oh. <laughs> no, the, it was a holiday in the truest sense of the word. Okay. I mean, normally all I think about is something amazing. Yeah. And it facts. consumes me. So I haven't it, slept since we've started. <laughs> the way this works is that every time Emily and I sit down together, we roll a microphone on the conversation and we tell each other something. It's not every time we sit down. <laughs> the <laughs> only be time. very strange friendship. The only time we hang out is on the you podcast. You have all of this equipment with you at any time, just in case. Once we stop recording, we're in... Like, we're uh, real friends, Matt. We're in absolute silence the second I press stop. Like we have a history of friendship <laughs> beyond this podcast. Anyway. The, the rule is about the things that we bring each other, the, the stories, the facts, the tidbits. They must be something, something amazing. amazing. We explain that seamlessly, I think, and I managed to talk about my trip to Fiji in the meantime as well. And ha- boy, have we have we heard some amazing facts along the way. <laughs> Haven't we? <laughs> Haven't we just? So uh, you were so ex- you were bursting at the seams. So do you want to start? I do because I love this story okay. so much. And it, it is recent. This like, happened. it is, the, the excitement is emanating off you. Now, this is a story uh, of Meow Ludo Disco Gamma Meow Meow. Sorry. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I'm lost. I'm going to call him Meow Meow for short, but that's his full name. Oh, okay. This meow, is someone's name. Meow Ludo Disco Gamma Meow Meow. Ludo, like from the labyrinth? Ludo. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite movie. Exactly. And Gamma, like the ray. <laughs> And Meow Meow like the noise a cat makes. Yeah. So right. Meow Ludo Disco Gamma Meow Meow, 33 yes. years old, mm. was fined $220 by Sydney trains for travelling without a valid ticket. Yeah, okay. 
That's how this it works. Is, this has gone all the way to the Court of Appeal. This, yeah, right. This case. So, Meow Meow is a biohacker. Do you know what that is? Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> so, a biohacker is people who believe they can, can and should hack their bodies. Oh. So, they go, why are we limited by this mere mortal skin and bones when yeah. we could be putting electronics inside That's us? That's so scary. Springs for legs, whatever. Uh, so, he's a biohacker who experiments with modifying the human body to include technological advancements. So what he it's did... It's never good to experiment with that kind of thing. Well, someone's got to do it. And Meow Meow Thank is you, a meow, meow. pioneer. So what he did is he had the chip from an unregistered Opal card implanted in his hand oh. by an expert piercer in April 2017. Yeah, and he just didn't, like, ask anyone. No, flash forward to August 2017, where uh, he tried to tap on and enter a train station by placing his hand up to a card reader. He did so with... $14.07 left on his card that's mm-hmm. implanted in his body. Don't forget. And he was stopped by a transit officer and handed a fine. No, I didn't I didn't think he should have to pay a fine. Well, he was travelling with a valid ticket. Yeah. It was just implanted in his body. I think that's fair. I'm on Meow Meow side. <laughs> so judge- I wasn't. I was like, you got to play by the rules, but I don't know, this bending of the rules is working for me. <laughs> this uh, judge, Dinah Yehia, she just had a hard time understanding what the hell was going on here. And so it's led to some really funny in-court conversations. Like, but to be fair, the amount of people I see struggle with Mikey's, like yeah. the actual card, <laughs> understanding how they work. Yeah. I can understand how people would have a, an issue understanding this. I mean, a Mikey card in Melbourne, which is how we get around, a Mikey card barely works when you ram it up against the machine. So yeah, and just the amount of people who don't understand if you tag on, tag off, like yeah. it's still... <laughs> I don't like the chances of a Mikey working if you implant it in your body. No. Um, but, okay, so this is Meow Meow's lawyer trying to explain to the judge what... Do you know, sorry, just yeah, off topic. I have a friend who is called Mikey. What? Right? His name's Mikey, like oh, Michael. Right. Yes, go. And it. sometimes they play a game where you have to say Mikey or Mikey. Okay. And guess which one you're saying. Let's play. I'm okay. Ready. Are you ready? Yeah. Mikey. That was the person. No, that no. was the card. <laughs> no. It's such a fun game. <laughs> it's like that game where you, you uh, say yas and now you're saying the town in Victoria. Yeah. Or the, like, sassy saying. Yas. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. Yas. The town. Yes, it yeah, was the town. Well it done. was the town. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, feel free to play these at home. Yeah, I mean, the advanced game that, that we also play in a friendship group, and I don't know if I should say this on the podcast, but here we go, is Keggles or No Keggles. Oh, where your friend, yes, 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 yes. Your friend just makes eye contact with you and goes, Keggles or No Keggles, and you yeah. just got to guess what's going on. I mean, isn't friendship great? <laughs> It's certainly something. <laughs> um, okay, so this is the lawyer, Meow Meow's lawyer, trying to explain what's happening here to yeah. the judge. Within the Opal card itself, there is a chip, uh, not dissimilar to what you have in your credit card. Effectively, if you melt down all the plastic in an Opal card, which surrounds the chip, you'll be left with the chip intact, which you can then encase in some plastic material and then shove it into your body. And that's essentially what he did. The prosecutors try to argue that it undermines the Opal system. Meow Meow had definitely fallen foul of the Opal card terms of use, which state that you must not misuse, deface, alter, tamper with, or deliberately damage or destroy the Opal card. But, but that's kind of saying that if, like, your card breaks but yeah. still works, yeah. that doesn't count. That's not allowed. Yeah. They're still working in the system and that they're paying for the transport, which yeah. is what the card is 
made for. Yeah, you, you're going to love Meow Meow's quote. <laughs> so, Meow Meow hadn't actually been charged with defacing or destroying a ticket, but for failing to travel without a valid ah, ticket. Ah, gotcha. So... A jubilant meow meow after told BuzzFeed News, the judge acknowledged that I used the system in a way that was similar to the way everyone else uses it, that I didn't try to evade the fare, and although the Opal card wasn't in the same form as other people's Opal cards, there was no dispute that I was using an Opal chip in the same way other people use an Opal chip. Yeah. The Opal card chip is still in Meow Meow's hands, (laughs) but can't be used as it's been disabled by New South Wales Transport. The man! (laughs) He added that he thinks his case is the first of many that may see biohacking come up in the future. Yeah, cool. So right now... You wouldn't want to move somewhere else, though, would you? You'd have to stay in Sydney. (laughs) (laughs) Just get in there, start shoving in the Japanese transport cars. You've got, like, one for every single town. Yeah, one for the UK. What's the London one called? Oyster. Oyster. Oh, that's right. And you'd think before you did an Opal, you might start with your credit card, right? Even though your credit cards expire. Oh, you know, so, gotcha. So you got to go But so do it. Opal cards. True. Now, I'm still on Meow Meow's side. I, w- I want Meow Meow to become the true biohacked being he can be. He's the pioneer. He's the real champion of this. So the final quote from Meow Meow, it might be a unique and unusual case now, but I don't think it will be in the future. That's hey, hey, hey. That's pretty amazing. Oh, you didn't. Well, you said pretty amazing. I know, but <laughs> it didn't really make sense to say it in the other way. My fact. (laughs) Do you want to say it anyway? Because now it's just confusing. Yeah, now it's just like hanging in the air, like a a sneeze that hasn't been snouted. Or blessed. Or blessed. (laughs) Well, do you think it's... I think, hey, Matt, yeah. I think your fact was something, something amazing. amazing. Oh, so much better. God, I can I breathe again. Relieved. Okay, Bless so me. last week uh, you told a story about a heist, right? I did. I did. Sweden bank robbers are yeah, yeah. uh, unable to do bank robberies anymore because Sweden's gone cashless. Yeah. So now they're all doing heists. Right. So I have a heist story. Oh, thank you. It's very cool. It's uh, set in Japan. I just watched Ocean's 8 recently, so I'm in a heisty kind <laughs> You're of a mood. heisty mood. Yeah. Feisty for the heist. Yeah. On January 26, 1948, take yourself back. Invasion Day. Isn't that the 27th? Is it 26th? Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, this is in Japan. Mm. Uh, a man calling himself <laughs> a endemiologist. Uh, what is an endemiologist? Yes. Here you ask. Yes. It is uh, the study and analysis of the distribution of determinants of health and disease conditions in defined populations. So if some sort of outbreak happens, uh-huh. an endemiologist comes and gives you the cure. Also, like in those disaster movies where there's a virus that's, that's outbreaking in society, do mm. they call the endemiologist first? Yes. Did I say that right? I didn't. Did you I? didn't. But no. let's. It's okay. <laughs> Doesn't feel okay. So he comes he comes into a bank before closing time claiming to be an endemiologist and he has a clipboard. That's all you need to nope. get in anyway. <laughs> Just all- have a clipboard and a sense of self-importance. Well, he definitely had a sense of self-importance and he also had an uh, armband. Okay. Like a government armband so people trusted him. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so he explained that he was a public health official sent by the U.S. occupation authorities and he had orders to inoculate the staff against a sudden outbreak of dysentery. <laughs> That's the poo disease, right? Yes, but this was like quite a um, risk factor back then. I believe it was just after a war. Because it's, still, yeah, 48. Yeah. Yeah, there would, would have been after World War Two. So, like, people people were, were scared of this kind of things. Uh, he gave everyone in the bank... 
a pill and a few drops of liquid and said, take this now. Oh, my God. This is like Essendon's doping scandal. It's pretty intense. <laughs> um, so, including, so there was uh, just, there was staff and there were pills, normal people. Trust me. I've well, got an you, armband. I feel like you would, right? No. I'd ask some questions. I'd do a Google search. Anyway, uh, <laughs> not too long later, they were all flat out on the floor. What he'd given them in the little drops was cyanide. Oh, no, he killed them all. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, wow, this is a mass murder so situation. So, while they were incapacitated... Uh, incapacitated <laughs> is putting it lightly. He went and he robbed the bank uh, of 160,000 yen, which was about 2,000 US at the time. So, he killed 16 people <laughs> for $2,000. I mean, it was 1948. Yeah, I guess that's something. Um, so, <laughs> I guess that's a good reason to kill 16 people. Oh, actually, they don't didn't all die. Ten victims died. Oh, wait, and then two others died when hospitalised. So There's a lot of dead people around. Twelve of the 16 died from cyanide poisoning. <laughs> no good. So he just came and was like, hey, you're all going to get dysentery. Here, I'm going to fix you. Yeah. And he sh- killed them. Wouldn't you be looking down the row of people who are getting these inoculations? Well, I think cyanide straight away kills. And it was yes, just a it few- Isn't that the thing spies do? Like they break a cyanide tablet and then they just froth at the mouth and die instantly? Um, why do the they movies. do that? Because if they if they know that they're going to be tortured and there's a risk that they'll give out state secrets, mm. they break oh, the yeah, cyanide right. pill and then just die. There's more to this story. Okay. It gets even more crazy. <laughs> How can it get more crazy than 14 dead bodies and $2,000 <laughs> Well, being so stolen? then they had tried to, they wanted to find who oh, yeah. did it, right? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. They, what could they do to find the person? So in Japan, it's customary to exchange business cards oh, yeah. uh, with I've each other. I've seen American Psycho. I yes. know how it works. So, uh, the man had a, had a business card um, and had given it in and it was the one that said that he was a part of the health services, another reason that they trusted him. So they went to this man. Man, like they cleared him that he wasn't the guy who did it. Oh right, so it was an actual business card of an actual health services yes. person. Yes, yes. But then they uh, went and saw all of the. They asked him all of the people he had exchanged business cards with to make the net smaller, uh, and he said that he'd exchanged cards with five hundred and ninety-three people. A lot of people. <laughs> That's a good networker. His LinkedIn profile would be full of friends, <laughs> connections. But of these people, 100 were the type used in the poisoning incidents. Okay, so there we go. The net's getting smaller. So it's getting smaller getting and smaller. 590, you networking whiz, right down to a, just, just 100, just a cheeky hundo. <laughs> so eventually they, they whittled their way down to eight cards. Uh, eight. It could be. Just a series of alibi checking, I guess. Then... Of the eight people, they checked who of them had the business card. Because he'd keep a business you'd card. You'd keep the business card and he, this guy had Polite. given it in. Yeah. yeah. So uh, there was one guy who couldn't and the other things he that had, yeah, he bad. said that he'd been pickpocketed. Uh, nah, nah, no way. Lock he him also up. happened to have a similar amount of money that had been stolen from the bank. Yeah, lock him up. Throw away the key. And his alibi was that he'd been taking a stroll, which happened to be in the vicinity of the crime scene, wow. and it couldn't even be verified. Rookie error. Uh, he was also identified as the taking poisoner stroll. by several witnesses. I was having a walkabout. <laughs> I had to get some fresh air. And he also confessed to having been involved in four previous cases of bank fraud. God, that didn't take long. But <laughs> they still thought out there that he was falsely accused. Why? Okay, I'll tell you why. <laughs> 
So there's like a conspiracy that it's this other guy. Yeah. Because the, the, he doesn't have much of a case for him, but they can all kind of be explained. I was taking a stroll. <laughs> in the vicinity. I got pickpocketed and all they took was a business card. I still had this $2,000 though. The uh, Minister of Justice in Japan didn't sign his death warrant, so he's still living out his life on death row. Oh, so he's still alive. So the poison was regarded as the readily attainable uh, potassium cyanide, cyanide in his in his trial. Mm. Uh, one of the reasons given to doubt his guilt is because the victim's symptoms were clearly different from potassium cyanide poisoning, which is rapid. But he also gave them the pill, not just the cyanide. I don't think the pill was a, the thing that killed him, oh, them. But that Might may- have actually been a dysentery pill. <laughs> uh, the university contemporary uh, investigation claimed that the true poison may have been acetone cyanide and a hydrophin, which is a military poison deliberately designed to be slow-acting, which Hirasawa could not have obtained. You know what? You know what? We what? should do a serial-style podcast. Yeah. Well, we to talk- be fair, there's been, like, some books and movies already made about this. Because <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we could bring him up in jail and learn Japanese just so we can talk to him and go, come on, mate, level with us. Did you? Did <laughs> just, you? just say. Did you poison him? Did you? <laughs> You it's know, a crazy story. Amberly, that story is pretty so, good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> nah, just kidding. It's something, something amazing. amazing. Uh, ready for the next one? Boy, am I. Is okay. it something more uplifting? I'm realising it was kind of a depressing story. It is. Good. These are, are two Australians that are doing very well in the tech world. Okay. Well, one's a team and one's a person. Okay. Um, so there's a d- team of soccer robots that are representing Australia at the World Cup. Uh, now, not the World Cup that's happening in Russia. Oh. This is the one that's happening in Montreal. Uh, they're called New Bots. They're one metre tall. They're 3D printed out of carbon fibre and onyx. What's onyx? I don't know. Is it in a Pokemon? But it makes them black. And it is also a Pokemon. Onyx. <laughs> Uh, so they were the only Australian team to compete in the teen division of the Humanoid League, where autonomous robots... You say teen division? Teen, like teenager. Yeah. Yeah. They're teenagers. They're a bunch of teenagers. But they're robots. No, the the makers oh. of the robots are teenagers. <laughs> I they were like, these robots are teenagers. <laughs> they go in the teenage. They smoke. They disrespect their parents. They're only one metre tall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so... The autonomous robots, they have a human-like body and human-like senses. The game they have to do is a game of soccer. They verse each other in a game of two 10-minute halves. Mm. Now, the team leader, Alex Bidoff, said, much like a human soccer player, a new bot can kick a ball, throw a penalty, and even wave to its fan. (laughs) We programmed the robots to visually locate a ball on the soccer field, navigate a path to it, judge space and distance, and attempt to score a goal. But, like a professional soccer player, new bots may also be inclined to drop to the ground and throw a tantrum if they miss a shot. <laughs> Cute. Uh, so the RoboCup aims to develop a team of fully autonomous human-like robots that can win against a human world soccer champion team. I feel like, yeah. By what year, do you think? Next year. <laughs> <laughs> 2050 is what they're aiming for. Okay, but Ro- I, I, if I was like, hey, hey, you guys are going to be up against a robot team, yeah. I would be like, yeah, they're going to win. Yeah, well. <laughs> they're robots. Also, robots. Have are, you seen movies? Yeah, but also right now they're easy to knock over and right now Siri can't even set a calendar appointment for me. So maybe we got till 2050. Whoa, what has Siri done to you? <laughs> Jerk. Do you reckon mm. the people who do a lot of 
AI, like mm. artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. and the people who do a lot of AI is in artificial insemination, mm-hmm. get mad at each other Absolutely. that they both kind of have the AI. Absolutely. Like, they're like, can I have it? <laughs> the coding created and shared between teams at the competition can have all kinds of meaningful applications in health and medical imaging, agriculture, facial recognition, transport, and defense. Great. Um, just another little quick one of an Australian doing well. Yeah. Bonus fact. Bonus fact. What's the best thing you did when you were 19? Moved to Melbourne. Mm. I lost my virginity. (laughs) (laughs) That was probably... pretty good. That was probably the top. Aussie 19-year-old takes Intel prize for building a drone that beat 1,800 people from 81 different countries. So, this is the coolest thing Oliver Nichols did at 19. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but one. is he a virgin? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll say the story and then you tell me. Okay. Uh, he won 75,000 US dollars, so 99,800. Oh, he's no virgin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he won the Gordon E. Moore Prize at this year's Intel International Science and Engineering Fair. Maybe. A virgin. He designed an autonomous window washing drone. Nah, that's sexy. <laughs> the drone device is tethered to the roof of a commercial yes. building. It is equipped with a powerful spray nozzle <laughs> and rotating brushes. It can that's ha- a man who knows. <laughs> it can handle 45 kilometers per hour winds <laughs> and costs just over $3,000. I can't believe you managed to derail this man's achievement. This young man's achievement. He's done very well. It is said to replace human teams that can cost in excess of $14,600 per building and in the process reduce the high risk of injuries, which I always think when I see like a window washer up against a high window. I'm like, that looks That's real intense. So dangerous. Yeah. Remember my Christmas miracle from yeah. the Christmas aside? Christmas the window washer. I feel so long ago. Remember Christmas? Yeah. We're like halfway through the year. Christmas in July. Hey, Matt. Yeah. Th- you know the fact you just said? I do. I think that was something, something amazing. amazing. We've never done this before. Why no. are we doing this after every fact? Yeah, if you're joining in for the first time, it's not normally it's not like normally this. not normally like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty close to this, but not normally like this. So, mm. how good are you at lying? Uh, very bad. Very like, bad at it? You know those games that involve deceit? Yeah, I've played them with you. <laughs> yeah. What's that one called? Infiltration or... The Resistance. The Resistance, yeah. All you have to do to me is go, Matt, are you lying? I'll go, no. And then you go, are you though? And then I fall apart. <laughs> Matt, are you a spy? No. But are you a spy? <laughs> I'm a spy. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Did anyway. you know that there... Oh, I guess you wouldn't be very good at this. There is an annual competition held in Cumbria, England mm. every year. And uh, you have to try and tell the biggest and most convincing lie you can. Best lie wins. Really? They can't have any as, props as or a script. Politicians and lawyers are not allowed good. to enter the competition they're professional because they are they are um, yeah too too good at, at telling porkies. Yeah, it's held every year at the Bridge Inn in memory of Will Ritson, a pub landlord from Wasdale, <laughs> who, who was well known for telling tall tales. Who got convicted of fraud? <laughs> <laughs> I think there were more um, sweet tall tales. One of his most famous fibs was that once uh, turnips grew too large in the Lake District that people carved them out to make cow sheds. Wow. Um, and do you know comedian Sue Perkins? No. From the Great British Bake Off? No. She's fantastic. <laughs> she won in 2006. Wow. And she was the first ever woman to win. What did she say? Uh, her fib was about 
how the ozone layer became damaged uh, and ice caps uh, melted and people had to be taken to work on camels. Wow. Wow, uh, that's I'm so glad that exists in the world. It's we cool, should go. Right? We yeah, should, we should I want to try it. Yeah. Let's have a quick thing now. Okay, we'll say three facts about ourselves. Yes, to a real one is a lie. Well, that's not what this is. No, it's more about the story of it. Oh, okay, go yeah. on. No, tell two lies and a fa- and a truth. No, two, no, two truths and a lie. I've got it. Okay. Okay, here we go. Here's my three. And facts. I mean, play play along at home. <laughs> two are true, one is false. Okay, and then you have to go after me. Okay. Okay. I was in a film directed by J.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. That's the lie. <laughs> Kanye West once called me a dickhead. Yep. I was born in a taxi. Oh, my goodness. Two of them are true, one is false. No way two of them are true. Two of them are true, one is false. How would I not know those things about you? I think the Kanye West one is definitely true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um... Because your girlfriend is famous. No, no, it's because I used to work on radio and we did a show called The Action Battle Team. Yeah. And instead of getting celebrities to be like, oh, The Action Battle Team is so good, thanks for listening, we'd get them to diss us. Ah. And then Kanye West was like, uh, you're listening to Matt and you may think whatever you want about him, but I'm here to tell you he's really a dickhead. <laughs> so I've got Kanye West calling me a dickhead on like, That's recording. That's awesome. Yep. I'm going to say... I mean, I want to say the J.J. Abrams one, because why would you be in a film directed by him? I'm going to say, because of your work in radio, that it might be a possibility, so I'm going to say Taxi is the is the false. Correct. Yes. Taxi is false. So J.J. Abrams' film was on the red carpet for Star Trek that, mm. that he directed, uh, and we were on the red carpet, and Dean, who is a guy whose show I was working on, he got J.J. Abrams to direct a seven-second film yeah. called That Guy Took My Wallet, and I was the guy who took the wallet. Right. And so, and J.J. Was this game you just, like, boasting about how many celebrities you know? Pretty much. <laughs> and the fact that you were born in a hospital? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go. It's really fun. All right. I tried to go with a theme, right? Okay. 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 All right. Here we go. I once performed the role of a tree in a park. <laughs> I was once booed off stage doing an educational school show. I once performed a Nazi musical on live TV. Oh my god, they're all believable. <laughs> they're all believable. They shouldn't be. Oh my life. <laughs> Two of them are true. I think Nazi-themed musical on live TV is so insane that it must be true. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think being booed off stage in an educational school show is so humiliating that it must be true. So, I think tree in the park is a lie. No. <laughs> and you were doing this thing where you were nodding along too, so I felt That's like That's a, a part of the lying. <laughs> no, it was the boot off stage was the lie. Oh, right. I did play a tree in a park and I did be- do a uh, improvised Nazi musical on yeah. live TV. Wow. Wow. Emily, your life is rich and varied. So is yours, Matt Saracini. So what do, what do you recommend? I recommend telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're in that competition. Yeah. I recommend uh, 
inserting some tech into your body to see how it feels. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> just <laughs> like that. I mean, we've, it like, just sounds like sex toys. I know what you mean. Like an oval card <laughs> or something like that. Buy just something hat. that has some sort of vibration, yeah. some sort of feeling. <laughs> just whatever makes you feel alive. Live your best life. That's my advice. I recommend not trusting someone just because they're wearing an armband. I guess mine were all about trust today. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> some trust issues. I recommend looking at a random person on the street and playing a guessing game. Have they lost their virginity? Yes or no? <laughs> I recommend trusting in yourself because you are the true guide to your own path of righteousness. Well done. And you know where that path could lead you to? Where? Leaving a fiver. Yes, yes, exactly. I recommend leaving us a five-star review for this podcast, or as we call it, a fiver. Also, uh, if you want to email us, hello something amazing at gmail.com. Uh, bye, Love Amber. Love to hear from you. Bye, bye Matt. Bye, bye Amber Matt. Lee Seriously. Carl. <laughs> <laughs>